it's done. Well, you know, I think there's a super lesson in this song that if we put our focus and eyes on God instead of counting everything that's gone wrong, there's the principle is so awesome. So many times people make the choice that when something good happens, you say, oh man, that's a gonna, it's going to be a great day, or oh man, it's going to start good. Well, what if you just made the choice before anything happened? That's what he's talking about, counting your blessings. You can be seated, kids can be dismissed. You know, it fits right in. I, I, at the sale barn Thursday, I was, uh, you know, we had a long sale, and, and on those days when it's going to be a long sale, um, it's, it's hard on my old bones to, to ride for uh, 10 or 12 hours straight at a trot and opening gates and all that, but it's getting me in shape. It's, it's, uh, at least that's what I'm hoping, uh, but uh, it's good for my horses and all that kind of stuff, but there was one individual that just, I mean something, he was growling already at the start of the day, growling. He just, rah, you know, rah. he just did, did some, you know, thing. I said, what's wrong? And he said, oh, you know, it's just going to be one of them days. I said, why? He just looked at, he knew, I'd already corrected him once, I challenged his attitude one other time, and, and he was like, he just didn't want to look at me, but it wasn't long, and he was smiling and having a good time, and we just chose to, it was going to be a good day, whether, well, you know, it's long about, it's funny how I'm long about eight hours in, and I'm, I mean, I'm hurting, we're all hurting, and and I remembered to carry a little ibuprofen and some Tylenol with me to go through the day this, this week. And, and so I, I usually try to tough it out. And I took that in. Uh, anyway, I was, I was, man, we were all just getting tired. And, and we'd have to get off every once in a while, stretch and let, you know, stretch and do some things. And, and uh, these guys are all younger than me, except for one old man. There's one old man named Sonny. He's 73 years old. And so every once in a while, I look at him and I go, "I got you. Better suck it up, buddy. You better get tough, because he's still out here going." But, but it was funny. Uh, they were everybody. Boy, one of these guys, he's like 25 years old. He comes by me and he goes, "Man, I'm tired." And I wanted to say, "Man, I'm double your more than double your age, dude. Come on." But I catch a second wind later in the day. It's amazing. The last hour, we can see the kind of the end of the sail, and it's, it's dark, and it was about 7.30 or 8 o'clock, and we're, we're pushing down towards the end. And, and it's that, that choice and that decision to remain positive, even in the midst of the struggle. And this is the way it is in our, in our daily life. I've been preaching, uh, or started teaching last week. I called this, Don't Give the Devil a Foothold, and this is the second part to it. Then it all just ties in. There's so many ways that the devil comes in to steal, to kill, and to destroy in our lives. In fact, that's what John John 10.10 says that Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundant. But he, he clarified the difference. He said, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now, how does he do that? And that's what we're talking about over these next few weeks. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, we, we taught last week, I shared this, how, how I went to my dear blind uh, last Saturday uh, last uh, Saturday morning and, and I went and took my Bible and my notepad and I've got this set up so that I've got a kind of a place to study during that time. And I went praying and, and asking the Lord and I, I had the title, <clears throat> but I went immediately in my mind to the scripture that I'd memorized in, out of the King James, which is, uh, give no place to the devil. And I didn't realize the NIV reads it as give no foothold to the devil. And so I, I thought, okay, that's confirmation when I read it later in my NIV Bible. And, and so, it, it, th but there's a recognition of where trouble comes from. We've got to understand and realize that. You know, one of the deceptions that, the, that, that uh, happens with Christians or people that grow up in church and experience God 
At some point in their life, the, the challenge comes, the question comes, is there really a devil? Is there really a hell? There's questions that come, and that's one of the subtleties about, what, about whether the way the devil works, is he begins to bring a question mark as to, is this really the answer? Is this really the truth? You know, it's amazing to me and it's saddening to me that people can't see that when you read the whole of the Bible, when you read all the different ways, the test of time and the examples that come all the way through the Bible, when you read the, the, some of the Old Testament books that actually uh, pro prophesy and foretell what's going on in today and how people fall away and how people allow things to slip in and how, how the devil works... And, and, and not identifying that. I don't preach a lot on hell. I don't preach and try to scare people into heaven. I don't, I don't you know, talk about that a lot. But yet, one, one person I talked to not long ago said, you know, I just decided there wasn't a hell, so what's the need for Christianity? Well, see, that, that, that makes me wonder, because I remember a time where that was part of my motivation. I've, I've told the story, at least at Cowboy Church, I think I've said it here before too, that I've, I've said, you know, one of the reasons I, I got, I, I, you know, went to giving my life to Jesus Christ was because I didn't want to go to hell. That's not a, a bad reason, but it misses the value of all the good things that God provides for us. I'm doing my morning Bible study, and, I, and I'm teaching Tuesday night on, on the power of prayer and how to pray on a consistent basis and using the model prayer as an example and just breaking down those little increments, those little points of how to come before God in, a, in time of prayer, how to spend time with Him, how to fellowship and receive from Him the instruction and things that we need. You know, when we, when we begin to live our life outside of or separated from God in any way, then we get, begin to open ourselves up to the enemy. There's a lot of sources out there and information out there and things out there that constantly are trying to, to dilute the, the gospel, the Word of God. They're constantly trying to separate us from, from what God promises, God speaks. But, and and, and they'll, they'll begin to single out. It's one of the ways the devil works. He'll come in and get a foothold in our life, and he'll begin to, to grab hold of one area in our lives. You remember, I want to make this quote again. I, I got this off of Jake Barnes's uh, Facebook. It said, when, when you're in doubt, pause. When you're angry, pause. When you're tired, pause. When you're stressed, pause. You could, you could add, when you're in fear, pause. When uh, you, you can add a lot of things, pause, and then when you pause, pray. See, if we begin to introduce that kind of thought, one of the things that I, that I developed have developed in my life is is I, uh, you know, like if we're out doing work, doing something, there's often times that I, if I have a, a question, God, how, to, how or I, I'll I'll have the thought, I wonder how to do this, or or I'm in a, a situation where I, I need the Lord's help, I'll just say, Lord, Lord, I need your help, I need your wisdom. Lord, what's the what's the question? Now I don't stop and kneel down, and you know I don't I don't start talking in you know the King's English, and you know and Thou art, and you know and all those. I I, I just simply say, Lord, help me. Lord, what is the solution? Lord, show me. And and it's amazing how things come around. Now there's oftentimes it comes around, and I don't even realize it until later on. All of a sudden, I have the answer, and I just go on and do it and take care of the situation. And, and then later on, I'll begin to count my blessings. And then God will remind me, remember how I helped you? Remember, remember how I got you through that thing? Remember how I helped you through that situation? It's amazing. 
You know, this, this passage, these passages, this block of Scripture here in Ephesians, it's amazing. I love this in verse uh, 17. He says, so I tell you this, uh, chapter 4, verse 17, uh, he says, insist on it and, and, and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking, the futility of their minds, the King James says. He says, I don't want you to be futile in your thinking like the Gentiles. And the Gentiles were those that were outside of, of the, the Jewish race, outside of those that were uh, with covenant of God. And then as this was being taught, it was those that had accepted Christ and were now Christians engrafted into uh, being the children of God. He says, verse 18, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Since one of the things that the devil begins to do is he begins to harden our hearts against good counsel. He begins to harden, our heart, harden people's hearts against the things of God. He begins to magnify the one thing that was wrong or, or the things that were failures of hu human failures. You know, the devil will come in and, and, and try to manipulate things in many, many ways. And how does the devil work? I, I talked about this uh, a little bit last week, but he'll, he'll drag us into the world's ways. He'll use that deception. And that's what he does with people. You know, he'll begin to magnify or remind you of that one time that you prayed for something and didn't get the answer. Has anybody ever prayed for something that you didn't knowingly, knowingly have an answer? You, you didn't get an answer. I mean, you know, we could all say that. Now, some of you may have thought, well, you know, God and His, you know, He knows and all that. I mean, I... But man, I mean, when, I, when, I was, when I'm praying for something and I ask something specifically for God, I ask His help, and it doesn't appear that He's doing anything. See, what the devil will do is he'll come back around later and he'll say, see, there you asked. And what will he do? He'll begin to bring, bring a question. Well, does God really answer prayer? You pray for healing. You pray for a sick relative. You pray for, you know, some of you may have prayed for your parents not to be divorced, and they, they divorced. You may have prayed for, you know, uh, 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 something financially, a relationship, something, and it didn't turn out the way you thought. You didn't get the answer you did. And the devil will come around and make you question whether or not God's real or prayer works and all of those things. But what we got to do, and that's why I try to balance teaching. See, when I come to people and, 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 and I pray for people, I have a boldness of faith to pray for miracles. I, I have no doubt. I've seen it. I've seen the, I've seen the dead raised. I've seen, I've seen limbs that were about to be amputated. All of a sudden, God restores them right there within you know, moments before surgery. I, I've seen uh, people, you know, lumps dissolve under my hand. When, when we, I mean, I've seen God heal a broken, gnarled hand and straighten it out and just be healed. I've seen that. And so I, I, I have a confidence to pray, but I've also prayed for people that were about to die, and they died. I've prayed for people who, who, who had an illness that I knew God, and, and for some reason it didn't come out the way that I thought. See, the devil will, will come to steal the seed of the Word of God. That's what Mark chapter 4 talks about. It says the, 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 the Word, it was there to produce. The Word as a seed was there to produce. But there were things that stole it. And what we got to make sure of, we got we to give God room to answer the why, but we got to remain faithful and trusting Him even if He doesn't give us an answer right away. See, my dad was, died when I was nine, and God raised him up. I mean, he was dead there in, mom, in that house, and mom and my oldest sister prayed for him. God raised him up. 
He, he died on the, at the hospital, or, or his heart stopped two more times. They raised him back up. He got up for a year preaching the gospel. Got up for a year, God restoring him. And then a, and then a year and two days later, he dies at, in, in a church service at the back. Well, the praise, I mean, you know, it's like, why? As an 11-year-old boy, I'm like, why? I was mad at God for 10 years. I had no, there was no good reason. And you could say, well, God needed him more than him. I'd, I'd want to slap you. I'd say, well, God has a plan. I'd, no, didn't work for me. But here was the wonderful thing that I understood, is I came to a place when I finally said, okay, God, I don't understand it. I don't like it, but I'm going to trust you. And the wonderful thing is, is that when we put ourselves in that place, then God can begin to work. Now, 30, 40, well, 40 years later, I can see all the ways that God has, has taken care of my family and done things for us. It didn't come out the way I planned. I had a, I had a plan. <laughs> but because I've trusted God, He's walked us through all that. And you know what? He, he gave me answers later on. But see, sometimes we have to have the faith to walk out our relationship with God, even if we don't get the answers like we think. See, God knows more than us. Sometimes if we had all the answers, we wouldn't like it. Honestly. And, and, there, and there's times that, that we have to ask ourselves, okay, God, you know more than me. I don't, I don't like this, but you know more than me. And so, God, I'm going to trust you. Who knows? He might have been driving the car that killed all of us. He might have held me in, in, in a place and not allowed me to go and do the things that God's called me to do. I mean, I could look at it and say, man, I, there, was, there was things lost because of that. Or I could just say, God, I'm going to entrust it to you. See, when we trust God in that way, it's amazing what he can do. But see, what the devil will do is the devil will come in and he'll deceive us. He'll begin to limit our thinking. He'll begin to harden our heart. He'll begin to use any of those things to separate us from God's best plan. And, you know, whenever I begin to, begin to look at these scriptures last uh, uh, verse 19 says, Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensual, uh, sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. See, it's, it's funny. He, he says sensuality and, every, and indulge in every kind of impurity, and then he, then he brings out the specific as greed. Isn't it amazing how, how uh, he, he, he talks about that? The pursuit of a physical, material thing could put us at odds. And, and uh, so he, he brings that check there. What, what are some of the ways that the, the devil can control us? Like, like Dakota said, I, I love it whenever somebody besides me talks about the offering in a way that, and, and, the, and the giving in a way that's, that's so powerful. He said, you know, what, what if the devil bring that thought? Well, yeah, but you might need that. I don't know, you know, 10% is just kind of a beginning point to me. It's, it's just the, the baseline. It's, it's just a measuring stick. Really, the Bible says first fruits. The biggest thing God's looking at is your heart. And, and, and He's looking for is your heart and, and the tithe and the gift and the giving. What, what He's demonstrating is He's saying, God, it's you saying, God, I trust you, and I'm not going to let the devil get me to thinking that, that I need this as my security. And, and I know, I know uh, this, this is, is easier for some than others. I know a lot of times with women, one of their, great, one of their greatest needs is, is security. 
And one of, their, one of the places they like to be secure in is finances, a home or, or a need or, or the ability to buy groceries, the ability to do those things. That's a security thing. So sometimes it may, he may work on the wife as being, it being harder to, to release that money or to give or to entrust that. Other times it may be the, the man who says, man, I worked hard for that man, giving it to that preacher. That's why, sometimes, that's why sometimes I tell you, if you think I'm trying to get your money, just keep it in your pocket. Because I'm not. I'm not working for a commission, and I'm not sweating over whether or not we have enough God supplies. But here's the thing. The, the freedom that God has done for us financially and trust because we've entrusted those things to God and said, God, here, here's what's yours. Here's my trust for you. I'm going to do this whether or not this is first. The power of that. See, the, the devil loves to work, and he'll get in there in any way. And you know what? I, I have had conversations with some of you. I've had conversations with the people over the years. And this is an area that, and this is why a lot of churches and preachers won't talk about the money. They're afraid to. They don't want to run people off. They don't want to offend people. Sometimes it's because the man in the pulpit isn't doing what he preaches. The reason I share some of the things that we do is because I want you to know that's not the case where, where we're concerned. Not to brag on me or put attention on me, but this is the way we've lived. But we lived it before I was a preacher. We did it when, when, the, when the $750 a month salary check was a $75 tithe. It's amazing. That was a big check. Why? Because it was $75 out of $750 when you're trying to pay bills and buy groceries was a lot. Thank God we didn't have any kids then, but, but, but man, I mean, it was, it was tough. But we continued to do that. Well, what about the times when it was literally, are we going to eat ramen noodles or are we going to tithe? He said, bring on the ramen. We'll get the good stuff. We didn't care because we entrusted. Now, listen, I can honestly say there was always provision because we chose to live that way. Now, I'm not going to spend any more time and didn't really intend to do that even, even that much. But it's, it's one of those little ways, little areas that the devil work on. And if he can work in you in that area, he can work on you maybe in another area. You begin to entrust every area of your life to him and, and how powerful it is that God goes to work on our behalf. Amazing things that it'll do. That it'll do. But, but the first time things get difficult, what will the devil come in and say, I thought you was tithing. I thought you was blessed. I thought that preacher said it'd work. I thought the Bible said give and it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over. And I happen to know that you're driving a broke down truck and you got this and that. And the devil come in, he'll work you over. But we can't give him a foothold. We can't give him a foothold. You say, yeah, but I mean, I've given and my, my, my crops didn't produce. Or my Go back to the Word of God. Go to Deuteronomy 28 and start to read those blessings. He said he blessed the fruit of your cattle, your flocks. He, he said he'd bless your crops, your ground. He'd bless you going in. He'd bless you coming out. You're the head, not the tail, above and not beneath. Everything you set your hand to will bless. And in fact, he says that he'll command the blessing to come upon you and overtake you. But the first verse is the key. He says, if you'll obey the Lord your God. You know, what's, you know what's wonderful about, about God? He doesn't look back and hold over you your past. He doesn't keep bringing up all the things you did. He says, repent, be changed. Repent, be transformed. 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sin, He's faithful and just to do what? Forgive us. Woo! Forgiven. 
But he doesn't stop there. He says, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And you know what? He sees it no more. He's not bringing it. He's not like, he's not like you. Some, of you. some of you couples, when you fight, what do you do? Bring up the past. Bring up the past. Let me tell you something. Don't do that. <laughs> you, you need ground rules for, for, for discussions. We don't have fights. We have discussions. You got ground rules. Can't be bringing up past stuff. You, you got to be fair in the fight. You got to, you got to, you can't, and make sure that the one who, one of you who is the better with words doesn't cut up the other one. You, you got to, because what you'll do is you'll dra either drive them into a place where they will not communicate with you and, and work with you, or, or they will lash out at you and it will be ugly eventually. So here's what, here's what we, we, we would always do is, uh, there, there were times that we would do, I called it drive-by, uh, drive-by communication. Yeah. Drive-by. I'd just, I'd be, you know, walking through the kitchen and say, yeah, I, don't, I didn't like that, whatever, boom, just kept going. <laughs> now, you can't do that all the time, but once in a while, you got to give them an opportunity to think about things. One of the biggest blow-ups and fight, I don't know why I'm talking about this, but obviously somebody needs this. <laughs> One of, one of the one of the worst some of the worst times that we fought was whenever my wife would not let me speak or let me you know time to process or wanted me to say it right now and I'm like I'm calculating here wait a minute I'm thinking about the price when I'm honest what it's going to cost me <laughs> Because one, one, one of the things, you know, when I do premarital counseling and we talk to, to couples and stuff, we would always talk about communication and the, and the arts of communication and the, and the fairness of communication. And, and, and there's always that response. Sometimes when, when you get a, when you, if you blow up and the emotions are extreme, either Sue was always crying, mine was always, boy, when I finally got mad, I got mad all over and it was not good. And so I'm trying to avoid that, but she's still pushing. Now, we, we hadn't done this. We don't do this. I hadn't done this for years. But those first two years, I was talking to a young man last night. He's, he's learning, wanting to learn to rope, and he's been coming to my house, and, and he's dating a girl, and, and we were, he, he, he's not talking about marriage necessarily yet. But, but, I mean, you know, I was just talking to him about that, and I said, man, those first two years, they were rough. It's a wonder. I was talking to this my sister. It's, it's like, how in the world did, did we make, did Sue and I make it with those first two years the way we fought? But I can tell you this. Is, is we learned how to communicate and offset one another. We, were, we are a great team, but boy, it was hard to figure out how to make that work. So anyway, but don't let the devil, don't, don't let the devil work in any of those areas because what he'll do is he'll begin to remind you of past things, and that's not God bringing those things up. See, sometimes in the fight, in the communication, to try to hurt or try to control or try to uh, influence, you bring up old things. Well, that's not healthy. Well, God's not going to do that. When you forgive, you say, God, I failed you where one of these things in obedience is. God's not really going to beat you over the head with it. All He's looking for you to, to do is, is repent of it. And when we repent, say, Lord, I failed you where the tithe was concerned or where obedience was concerned or putting things first. I was impressed that Dakota can't, chose to come to church today. He, I, I, I really was because he's got a deer that I'm, I'm pretty sure I'd have had to take a Sunday off. <laughs> he's got a deer out there. On, I mean, he's got an opportunity to kill a deer that is like, I mean, it's going to cost him a lot of money. I will help mount that sucker. I will. 
because he needs to go on the wall. He's a nice deer. I won't tell you where he's at. He's not close to my property. He hunts on somebody that's not on my property. But I'm telling you, he chose to come. Now, again, there's been times he don't get it all just right. But I believe God prospers what we do. And I don't know whether God will give him the deer now because, I mean, that's part of, that'd be part of my way. Okay, God. You know. Okay, God, I was good today. I was obedient, so get, bring the deer. Well, you know, I don't know if that's exactly how God wants to bring the blessing. But I can tell you this, that God begins to bless when we put him first. But here's the wonderful thing. When we miss him, when we miss God, or when we, when we disobey, or when we're not there, he's not looking for beating you into submission. He's looking for the repentant heart who says, God, okay. And then he, then he heals and he restores all, these, all those areas. Now, in what I've been teaching at Tuesday and in my morning Bible study is about spending that time with God. And in time with God, we, we go through the, going through the Lord's Prayer. We bless and hallow the, the name of the Lord. We, we ask for His kingdom come, His will to be done in our life. We yield our heart. We say, give us this day our daily bread. We, we say, Lord, what is it that, that I need to know from your, your Word, your daily bread, to teach and grow me? One of those points is, is that he says to, to uh, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. See, the devil loves to use any wedge he can, and he'll begin to, to hone in on this person did this, this person did this, and if they happen to be a church member, a Christian, oh, he'll really hammer you with that one. He'll really go, oh, yeah, them, they're all hypocrites. He'll, he'll really come at you with, oh, yeah, that person, they, they act all all churchy at home, or I mean at church, or they act all churchy some of the time, but I know they're not perfect. Well, the devil loves to wear us out over that. But the last time I, I looked, there isn't any of us who get it all right all the time continually. And it's amazing how the, the devil will work. So he'll use any form of deception he can do. Let's look again at, at Genesis chapter 2. I've got to get into this a little bit because uh, I, I, I was excited about how, how God dem demonstrated uh, how the devil deceives. You see, this, this, uh, uh, God had a plan for mankind, and the devil came in to deceive, and he deceived at Eve first. It says in, in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals and the Lord God, the, that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did, did God really say you must not eat from any of the trees in the garden? And this is one of the ways that the devil comes in to deceive. He begins to talk about th things in half-truths, and he begins to cause questions. One of the powers of the enemy, the way that he works, is he begins to bring that question mark. And I, I've heard it said where the question mark is is where your faith will stop. Where you begin to question God, where you begin to ask those questions, you'll begin to be limited in those things. He, he begins to deceive her and, and bring that question. He says uh, in verse 2, he says, Then the woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God did say that we must eat from the tree that is in the, must not eat from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. Now, they were standing then, then they, he, he, they, they end up at this tree. They're looking at and they've got it before them. So he begins to influence the woman through her eyes. And this, doesn't, this is not particular to a man or a woman. 
Believe me, we, God, or the devil uses the, the, the things that we see. He begins, why does the Word of God, what, like, like example in Joshua 1, he says, let not this book of the law depart out of your mouth, but meditate in it day and night. Keep it before your eyes. He, he tells us, he says, keep it before you. See, if we begin to do research and reasoning and thinking and all these things outside or, or completely separated from the Word, we can, we can begin to be influenced and, and, uh, and, and things, that other voice that comes in will begin to take us away from the things of God. He says, you must not eat from the fruit of the tree that's in the middle of the garden, is what she said. But verse 4, he says, you'll not certainly die. The, certain, the serpent said to the woman, For God knows that when you, you eat from it, that your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So he begins to present another word. That's what happens sometimes, is the, the devil will come in and present another word outside of what God says. That's why we've got to know the Word of God. That's why we've got to bounce everything or balance everything that's said or every philosophy or idea or, or things. Ask yourself, how does that compare to God's Word? It's amazing how sometimes they'll use a, a, a form of the Word or a, an, or a comparison of what God does, but they'll separate God out of it. And so we need to, we need to be careful with those things. He says, he says, you'll not certainly die I mean, come on, is that reasonable? You mean you're going to eat this fruit that's beautiful? Looks good. Now, I said this last week, and I, and I think this is most likely true. The serpent is probably head level with her, because not because he's a big old serpent that can raise up on his back, back end, but because he's up in the tree climbing around in what she had said. If they touched it, they'd die. And he's saying, well, look here, I'm not dying. This isn't all bad. I mean, you know, why, why, would, why would a loving God kill you for eating no good fruit? Basically, that's what he's beginning to say. And how many do, times do we hear little forms, th little things that begin to creep in to the way uh, of our thinking? We begin to look at things from a wrong, skewed uh, mindset. That's the way the devil begins to deceive, and he begins to separate people away from the things of God. They begin to question what the, the validity and the value of the Word of God. He says, you'll not certainly die, the serpent said, for God knows that, that, for God knows that when your eyes are open, you're going to be like Him. They were already like Him. They were created in His image and after His likeness. They were all, already had the authority, the control, the ability. They were, they were set over rulership of the earth. God had already done that. But now the devil presents a thought that's kind of true. But see, kind of true ain't true. We got to be careful. We, get, we can't allow the, the devil to come in and to deceive with a half truth or begin to cause, bring, bring questions. See, anytime, it's not wrong to have questions. It's not wrong to study. It's not wrong to investigate. It's not wrong to look, but go back to the Word. Keep the Word, but keep that as your primary source. You know, I, 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 uh, I, I take all this pretty literal, but I try to balance it with the fact that looking at one Scripture is not the solution. Looking at a multitude of Scriptures and understanding the heart. I believe as much as anything about why the Bible was, was written, well, I know this, is so that we could understand and know God. But it takes looking at 66 books. It takes understanding from start to finish. 
It, it, it takes looking at the whole of process. It, it, you know, you can look at the way that the, the God's people in the Old Testament fell away. It's amazing. You, you can go through First and Second Kings and Chronicles and, and some of those books, the history books, and, and you can begin, you can see how the, the people would they would they would God would deliver them, do a great work, and, and then and then a couple chapters later, they're they're serving other gods. They they let the worship, they begin to mix with the things of that were not of God. And those things that were not of God begin to, to, to begin to water down and dilute the ways of God. And what happened? Pretty soon they were they were slaves again. They were they were in bondage again. They would lose out. They'd be overrun by an enemy that God easily would have taken care of. And then God restores them. God brings them back. That's the wonderful thing about God, is He is willing for us. When we fall, when we fail, when and those that would that would separate for them to come back, but they have to have the ability to see what God can do. See, uh, one of the things that that uh, the second thing, the way the devil works, I talked about this last week, but he presents alternatives to God's way. Second Corinthians eleven fourteen, the apostle Paul said said that the devil will come as an angel of light. He'll, he'll present things that are almost God, kind of God, kind of good, but he'll present himself different from where God, from what God is. He'll, he'll give alternative ways. See, obedience, uh, I, I wrote this down here, obedience is not a dirty word. A lot of times we, we, wanna, we, we don't want to have that obedience. It's kind of like in, in the marriage vows where they say, well, we don't want to submit. What does that mean? I mean, you know, but do we want God's best? Do we want God's ways? It's amazing. But let's, let's, we understand that obedience to God sets us up for His blessing. Deuteronomy 28, is the first 14 verses, a perfect example of that. He says, if you obey the voice of the Lord your God to do according to His will, these are all the blessings that are come as a result. When you follow God, the blessings follow. Are there things that are taken away from us sometimes? Sure, but, but anything that God removes or, or, or takes away is something that was going to detract from His best. He'll provide in its place something better. He'll, reply, or he'll provide in His, in his place something else. See, if we begin to develop a lifestyle that's quick to obedience, we'd be, we can be amazed at how God can work in our lives. When he, when he quickens something, when, he, when we read a, a scripture, when we begin to do something, we be quick about it. God will begin to work. See, had Eve, here's the thing, had Eve quickly obeyed and Adam quickly refused, they would, have, they would not have fallen to the devil's schemes. But they began to ponder it. They began to think about it. They began to be open to the idea of what the serpent said versus what God said. See, that's kind of a spirit of procrastination. It's, procrastination is something that, that, that can hold us in bondage and keep us as a lifestyle, keep us from being and doing all that God wants us to be. He wants us to do things now. One, one of the devil's greatest tools is procrastination. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. When you delay your duties, you delight the devil. Putting off a simple thing makes it hard. Putting off a hard thing makes it impossible. Obedience is, is God's method of provision for your life. Isaiah 1.19 says that if you are willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. 
So today's a good time to start. I read that last week, and I gave you some of you the notes to, to that last week. What a great statement. What a great way to think when we, when we realize delayed obedience is disobedience. Do it as God says. Be quick to do it. And you know what? That takes practice. And you know what? If you procrastinate and you put it off, what do we do? Lord, forgive me for not being obedient. I'm going to be better next time. Get it straight and get moving on. Don't waller in it. Devil loves keep. See, there's a difference in the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts. He says, "Wait a minute, change that." The devil comes to uh, uh, not convict, but to condemn. He comes to weigh you down with it. See, condemnation is the weighting down of it. He wants to drape it over you like a cloak. He wants to hold you in darkness. He wants to keep you in the fog of what was past. When God said, "I'm forgiving you, releasing you, moving you on." It's, it's, so that's the difference. Uh, we need to kill procrastination, not time. Don't kill time. Don't sit around killing time. You ever, you, ever, you ever get caught somewhere killing time? One of my mentors told me, he said, always carry a book, a notebook, some way. And with a phone, I mean, man, we got all kinds of ways we can remain productive. If you're sitting at the doctor's office, if you're sitting at a, at a, a place waiting on somebody, you ought to have something to do something you can you got your electronic Bible hopefully all of you have the electronic app I give you a hard time about using it in church and using it at home but that's a good time to use it if you don't have I carry a Bible under my back seat in my pickup I, I carry one uh, most places so I can just grab it and just read the Word of God just do something productive the third way that the devil uh, uses and this is where I wanted to get to today is the devil he, he loves to provide us excuses well, I tell you what, one of the, one of the greatest t attacks uh, uh, of people is excuses. Do you, ever, do you ever make an excuse for why you weren't able to do something that you should have been able to do? Excuses are the nails used to build the house of failure. Man, I'm so thankful that, that I was taught at, I remember as a senior in high school, I'd left the water tank on at Uncle Sam's. Now, that, that happened. Anybody could leave the water tank on. I, I still do it sometimes. That's why I, my phone, I set a little reminder, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, I set my timer because if I got the tank running, I am uh, easily distracted, and I, I can work hard to remember to pick up, to go back and shut that water off, and I'll come out there the next day and go, Ugh! and then I just hope Sue doesn't see it on the water bill because she's going to chew on me. Oh. Did you leave the water running again? Oh, no, no, honey. It was, uh, yeah, I did. Okay. See, the devil loves it when we make excuses. When you're good at making excuses, it's hard to excel at anything else. Don't make excuses. Make progress. Excuses always replace progress. A person who fails many times, but may fail many times, but he isn't a failure unless he blames someone else or something else. Listen, we're going to fail at times. We're going to fall short. We're going to, we're going to make a wrong decision. Just own it and move on. Entrust it to God. An alibi is egotism on wrong side out. Those who are unfaithful will always find an alibi. The person who, rely, who really wants to do something finds a way. The other finds an excuse. You know, you can say, well, I'm just busy. You say, well, well you know, I got a big deer on, you know, I, I, or, or I, I, got, I got this, I got that. We, we can always find an excuse. 
But can we, can we just make a choice to say, no, I'm not going to give in to that? Uh, let's look at uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 12. Or let's, uh, let's, just, let's just read on through this. Verse 6, he says, And the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good, and food pleasing to the eye, and also desirable to the gaining of wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, notice this, who was with her. And, and he ate it. She didn't have to go find him. He's standing right there. That's why really it wasn't Eve's fault. Adam should have been the man right there and stood up and said, huh, we ain't gonna, we're not doing that. All right? But he fell. In verse 7 it says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God, of God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Now notice this, verse 12. Excuses, excuses, excuses. The woman, it, it, it's, it's her fault, God. It's this woman you, you gave me. It's this woman you gave me. Pushing it off, finding an alibi, making an excuse. The woman you put here with me, she gave me some of the fruit of the tree, and I ate it. It's her fault. Her fault. Now listen, it was true. She, she listened to the devil. She took the true food. She, she gave it to him. But bottom line, it didn't res resolve or it didn't separate from the fact that he had the power of choice to overcome it and to correct the issue because God had set him as the spiritual head of the household and the authority. He had responsibility. Just because other people do stuff doesn't, doesn't mean you have an excuse. We got to take ownership. You say, but but you say, but 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 I mean, but well, I, I used to have a, I used to, I used to get on my kids about this, that that, that excuse thing. I, I would, I would tell them, I said, look, one of one of the things I liked was try and don't feed the bulldog. They say, well, I tried. Well, you didn't try hard enough. That'd been the way my dad would say, you didn't try hard enough. Now I realize that's kind of hard and all that kind of stuff. But listen. There's times when we just got to own the situation. Say, I'm trying. Okay, listen, God in His love and His mercy, I mean, He got a lot of grace. I may, that may seem kind of hard sometimes, but listen, God will be at work in our lives. When we, when, we, when we say, okay, God, here's the truth. I blew it. Here's the truth. I didn't plan well enough. You ever, you ever, I hate being late. I, I hate, uh, but sometimes I don't hate it bad enough to plan to be way early. My wife, a lot of times, we are late somewhere because of my wife. And that is not an excuse. That is a truth, all right? But it's because I think her, in her mindset, she wants to be on time. I want to be 20 minutes early. So it's, it's, a, it's a shift. You'd think we'd get this figured out. It's a shift in our, in our thinking. You'd think we'd get this figured out after 35 years. But, but, and we do better. We don't, we don't do horrible. But she'll, she'll try to plan. Now, she'll tell me, why we're not here earlier on Sunday. She'll say, well, you, you need to be focused, and if you get there early, you just visit and talk. And that's true. But, but you know, I want to be here a little bit earlier than what we are. There's other times 
that I, that I make a mistake or whatever, and, and I do things, and, I'm, and, I, and I get tempted to use the excuse. And then I say, no, I just didn't plan well enough. I wasn't there because I didn't plan well enough. I don't have that money in place because I didn't plan well enough. I, I, I did this because I did that. And, and, and when, here's the thing. When we own it like that, then we give God the opportunity to begin to fix it. You say, you know what? This is the problem. And when we identify it, see, that's what people sometimes go to counseling. They'll go to counseling and God will explain, or God, the, the counselor will explain and show them what, what it is, why you're thinking the way you are, why you are the way that you are. But here's what, here's the, in spending time with God, that's your best counseling that you can have is when you spend time with God and He begins to identify the things that are why you are the way you are. Here's the thing, when we, when we come before God who knows all and we offer that excuse, you know what God will do? He'll deal with us. Look at verse 13. He says, Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. Well, she's saying, Well, it wasn't my fault. It was a serpent. The excuse just goes on. The blame goes on. The passing it off goes on. i got to wrap up. I just realized what time it was. I did not realize what time it was. That's my excuse. No. But you know what? Excuses are a powerful thing. But when we choose to entrust and do things God's way, you know, the final thing was, is offense, not being offended. The, the devil will come in with offense. And as I begin to think about, as, I, as I'm closing, the, the thing that I begin to think about is the devil will use, if he can't get you offended at a person anymore, like you just choose to say, you know what, I'm giving that to God by faith. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to release them. If, if he can... He'll get you hooked into national news or, or he'll get you in, into some sports thing. Or he'll get, I used to listen to the sports channels on the radio all day long. And I realized I was, I was just grumbling and mad because I'm arguing and, and back with them. I mean, I'm in a conversation all day long. I'd be wore out. All day long I'm talking about, yeah, that, that, and then arguing this and arguing that. And that's what they love. That's a tool of the devil. What does, what does the news do constantly? Work on us to fight against each other, war, war against each other, or at least get offended. I mean, boy, you ever, you ever read a post or see something on the news and you're, you're just mad? Well, there can be some righteous indignation. There can be a... Jesus got mad when he saw the money changers in the church. He drove them out. He didn't go, would you guys please leave? No. He took a broom, took a switch. He drove them out. Drove them out. Said, you get out of here. And you know what? That sometimes is what we have to do. So we have to stand up with, our, with the spiritual authority that we have and say, devil, you're, you're not going to be in this place. There have been times whenever I've been uh, consumed by situations. One of my kids, one of my, my family, maybe health, maybe time, whatever. The devil's working us over. And I've had to stand up and say, no, devil, you're not having this ground. No, no. I stand on the authority that I have. I'm taking what is mine. And I begin to, to, to proclaim the Word of God, declare what the Word of God is. But you know what? One of the, in those areas of offense, we've got to push those back and say, no, I'm not going to let that consume me. I'm not going to remain in offense. I'm going to let God sort through what do I need to be, have righteous indignation about and what do I need to release and just go on and entrust it to God. Biggest thing is, is we can say, if, if this hits you hard, if this gets on your toes, certain areas or whatever, that's the Holy Spirit working on you, and what a valuable thing, because God still loves you enough to give you a word that works on you. So let's go before the Lord and let's pray. Father, we just thank and praise you that, 
that Lord, we, we are in a, in, a, in a place, in an opportunity, in an environment where, where you are. And Lord, maybe some people just came to church today. They, they really wasn't planning on having a, 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 a word that might challenge them, or, or maybe you, well, if you came and knowing me, you knew that. But, but Lord, you, you just came out of, out of, out of a, a obedience to, to, and, and maybe to see people and to, to love on the Lord. But Father, when we're presented with something, we have to make a choice to say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to walk in that. I'm going to receive that word. And so, Father, I just pray that as, as those that are analyzing their hearts, looking at this, what parts are, Father, I just pray like I did last week that, they, that we would take this home and, 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 and begin to allow you to work on us, to create in us the kind of person, the kind of people we need to be, to, Lord, to, rough, to, to knock off the rough edges, to, to soften the hard places of our heart, to give us the faith and the strength to, to be obedient to you, to help us to not be... No, to no longer be procrastinators, but be people who will be uh, of action, to be quick to obedience, to be, to be uh, consistent in, in our life. And Lord, if we've, been, if we've made a lifestyle of excuses, I pray, Father, that you begin to change our heart and begin to help us to identify all the areas that we try to pass off on others, making excuses instead of taking ownership. Lord, a repentant heart is a powerful thing because a repentant heart is one that comes before you and enables you to do a work in our lives. Father, I thank you that by the love that you have for us, you give us both grace and mercy, and you give us the power of the Holy Spirit in relationship with you to fix these things. So, Lord, I praise you that as we all yield to you and offer our hearts up to you, that you begin to change those things. And Lord God, if there's anybody within the sound of my voice who's not made Jesus Christ Lord, they can make a simple prayer of, Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Christ. I believe that you were raised from the dead, and I offer you my heart, my life. I say, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart, life, and make me, make me the kind of person you need me to be. Be my Lord and my Savior. When you pray that prayer, you begin that life and that relationship with Jesus Christ. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen, you know, if you pray that prayer, you got to let me know. Make sure that you've prayed that prayer. Contact us online if you're watching online. Uh, even if it's sometime later, still contact us. Praise God. Wow, what a word. All right, well, let's